Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you, the King of kings and Lord of lords and wonderful counselor and prince of peace. You came to earth born to raise the sons of men and to give new life and second birth. So Jesus, we just ask right now you'd be here in this place that we'd be aware of how you're working and we'd just be able to set aside any worries, anxieties, fears, stresses, just an overactive mind, uh, anxious gut, just anything right now. And just to hear your truth be with me as I share uh, this message and, and your word. And we pray. Amen. You can take a seat. I'll never forget the day everything changed. Maybe you remember what life was like before COVID. Does anyone else remember what life was like before COVID? Yeah, it's hard to remember in some ways. This is uh, March 5th, 2020. Uh, if you remember, COVID was just about ready to explode. Chris and I went down to Florida for the Exponential Conference. So this is a conference put on by uh, a team of people for church leaders around the world. At this conference, literally, days before the whole world shut down, they had pastors from every 50 states and I think about a dozen different countries all coming together to learn how can we be the church that God wants us to be? How can we have a 2020 vision of clarity to move forward? And I got excited and took all these notes. This is what 2020 is going to be, the best year ever. It's going to be amazing. We're going to be hero makers. We're better together. Literally the theme of the whole conference was we are better together. Oh man, then we weren't. Uh, but that's the whole conference. And, and we were down there with our kids as well. The Stapletons were watching our kids for us so we could go to this conference. And then we went to one day of Disney on uh, March 6th, right before. Again, everything happened. So this is us, uh, Darth Vader. He knew what was coming. He had a mask on. He, 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 was, he was there. But look at this. Uh, I love Andrew's face. <laughs> and uh, Becca, we're, we're meeting Vader. We're like, yeah, this is fun. We're at Disney World for one day having fun. This is amazing. And saw a couple masks, you know, at Disney World, but not too much. And then the next day, on March 7th, we got an airplane to fly home on that Saturday. And I remember at that point, everyone is pulling out their wet wipes and wiping down every surface. And the stewardesses were getting kind of mad at us, like, hey, we don't have enough trash bags for everyone to be wiping everything down. We went to church March 8th in here, and then we weren't in here for six months. <laughs> that was before everything changed. At that conference, I set all these goals and plans of what, what life was going to be like personally for our church, just professionally, all these things. See, personally, I'm someone I love 
making goals, making plans. I have notebooks and notebooks. Chris King can attest to this of different thoughts and plans and ideas. That's kind of who I am. And maybe, maybe you're like me, or maybe, maybe you have goals or ideas and you don't write them down, um, which a goal not written down is just kind of a wishful thinking, by the way. So you want to write down your goals and it's good to have ideas on, on what you want to happen. Many of us set goals, you know, in the new year, like, hey, we want to set, lose 20 pounds before that beach vacation, right? Or I want my business to grow by 15% or, you know, whatever it might be. I have these certain goals. But the reality is, what experts on goals tell us is, we actually can't control the outcome. You actually don't have any direct result on, hey, I want my business to grow by 15% next year. You really can't control if you can lose weight. What you can control is the inputs. And that's what people who work with goals tell us. We can't control the outcome, but we can control the inputs. We can control how we spend our time. We can control what we eat, if we move our bodies, whether we Sabbath or not, what we read, if we prioritize community and generosity and and wanting to make the Holy Spirit the dominant influence of our life. That's what we can control. And so today we're going to look at someone who had to learn to give up the result and instead be obedient to God and trust him with the process. We sing a lot, oftentimes, about Mary or, or watch movies or talk about Mother Mary. And actually, we're going to talk about her next week a little bit. So today, though, I want to focus on Joseph, like that video we watched. Uh, the man who adopted God's son as his own If you think about it, out of all the men who ever lived, God the Father handpicked Joseph to be the adopted daddy to his son Jesus. I think that speaks pretty highly to the character of Joseph. This is the guy who's going to teach Jesus what it meant to be a man. He's going to teach Jesus how to swing a hammer and how to fish and how to treat women, how to be a good man. When we meet Jesus, when we meet Joseph, here's what we know about him. Is that he's engaged to a wonderful young lady named Mary. He loves God and she loves God. And what are they thinking about? They're thinking about starting their new life together. Joseph is excited to start this new life with his bride-to-be Mary. He's probably been building them a house for them to live in together. He's making sure, you know, she's got a big enough closet for all her clothes, that their bathroom has two sinks so his toothpaste doesn't get in the way of her toothpaste, you know, all that stuff. And, and he's looking forward someday to, to raising their kids together with his beautiful fiance and, and what life is going to look like down the road. They're, they're a young couple. Maybe they're crazy in love. And they did everything that, that every young couple does. That's they started to plan their future. And part of their plan is they're going to wait to have sexual intimacy until after they're married because they know that purity paves the way to intimacy. And so they're talking about what, when are we going to get married and, and you know, whether we're gonna, when are we going to start having kids after we're married and we're going to try to do this. And they're making their plans for life together. But little did they know what was about to happen. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. I like Matthew's account. He doesn't give us the story that Luke gives us. That the angel shows up to Mary and tells her she's going to conceive. Instead, he just says, she became pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. He's a good man. And didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. 
When Joseph hears from his fiance, hey, Joseph, you're not going to believe this, but I'm pregnant. And it's the Holy Ghost has conceived a child inside of me. Do you think Joseph, when he hears that news, is he excited? Is he very, very angry and frustrated? Yeah, he's very angry. He's very frustrated. He's freaking out, right? He's a normal guy. He's thinking, Mary, seriously, that's what you're going with, pregnant by the Holy Ghost? Like, what? It's like, I'm going to find the guy who did this and make him a ghost, right? That's what Joseph is thinking. He's thinking, I've told Mary things I've never told anyone else. This is a woman I'm going to spend my whole life with. We've been planning things, and now she's broken my trust. She's, she's pregnant. I, I don't understand what's going on. He's crushed. He's humiliated. You know, maybe they already put a non-refundable deposit down on the Garden of Gethsemane Chapel. You know, the wedding invitations have gone out. Now he's got to tell his parents uh, the wedding's off. Everything we've planned is not going to happen. All his dreams are dashed to the future. He feels betrayed. He feels like a chump. He's angry. Maybe, if he's like me, maybe he punches a hole in the wall he's been building for Mary because he's so angry about all the things that he planned is not going the way he thought they were going to be. And he knows he's going to be publicly humiliated. And worse than public humiliation is the fact that he, he loved Mary. He, he trusted her. And they were saving themselves for each other. And now she's cheated on him and, and she's pregnant. And he's like, what, what am I going to do here? So what are his options? Well, by law, he could publicly humiliate her, shame her. He could even put her to death. But that's not what he does. He's devastated, but he, he loves Mary and doesn't want to humiliate her. So he decided just quietly to end their engagement. And Mary, her life is totally over. She's pregnant without a husband. She's going to be a divorced single mom in a culture where she can't get any type of job to support herself. She's going to be begging for the rest of her life, trying to raise this boy. And you can just imagine the rumors, oh, there goes Mary. He was engaged to that nice boy, Joey. But, uh, you know, I think she was knocking boots with some Roman soldier. And now she's got this little boy she's taking care of by herself. And her life is over, and I'm sure she's thinking, God, this isn't what I planned. This isn't how I thought it was going to be, right? That's what I'd be saying to God. Like, God, this isn't what I planned. Maybe you're getting financially ahead, and you're excited to have a good Christmas, and then your wife's 2012 Toyota Highlander, or Toyota Sienna, has to have $1,200 in repairs, and you're like, that's that wasn't what I expected to do. And then your car, one week later, has to have $1,000 of repairs, and you're like, this isn't what I planned. Many of you, maybe you poured your life into your kids and they grew up and left the house and now they're making dumb decisions and, and you're like, God, why did you allow this to happen? Why is my kid doing life not the way I thought he would do and why is he running away from you? This isn't what I planned. Maybe you took a job for your family and, and you moved and so you moved to a new place but now your wife and your kids are, are struggling and you're trying to hard to find community but it's hard and you have conflict in your marriage and you're thinking, but this isn't what I planned. I could go on and on. You could say, but God, I didn't plan on having chronic pain every day. God, I didn't plan on dealing with depression and anxiety. God, I didn't plan on burying my father this year. God, what are you doing? This isn't what I planned. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. Even when things go not the way that we plan, and we don't understand the plan, you can trust that God has a purpose. 
Here's our Proverbs 19:21 says that many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. Mary and Joseph's plans, they are wrecked. Their plans are shattered. And Joseph determines to quietly end their engagement, not to put her to shame, but God has a purpose. Verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Like, really? Really? She's, she's broken my trust in my heart. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's like, wait a minute, you're telling me she wasn't lying to me? That baby really was conceived by the Holy Spirit? What? And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He's saying, really, angel, there's, there's a purpose to this. There's, there's, there's something behind all my pain. There's purpose behind this pain. And the, that purpose is that Jesus is coming to save his people from their sins. You can almost hear God whisper to him, my thoughts are so much different than your thoughts and my ways are so much higher than your ways. Even though it may not feel like it, I'm working to bring all things for good for those who love me according to my purpose. And here's what I've learned in life. is so often we make our plans. But sometimes God will redirect our plans when he has a different purpose. Sometimes God will redirect our plans when he has a different purpose. Chris and I first got married. We lived in Colorado, and we thought maybe we'd be there the rest of our lives, honestly. And then we made plans what this was going to be like, and then God called us to Wisconsin to start a church. And things were a little rough there, and church planning was hard, and we made plans. We're going to plant a a church uh, 10 miles north of Madison in in a town called DeForest. Uh, Plant a church called the Orchard Church. That was our plan. And we were making plans for this, and then God blew all that up. And for about a year, I, I, I sprayed lawns, and, and, and volunteered at a church and just figured out, God, what in the world? We had plans. But God will redirect our plans when he has a different purpose for us. That's what led us back to Minnesota to start this church. And in six years, we can see the purpose behind the pain we went through and our plans being redirected, lives being changed, people finding community, people stepping into their gifting and calling, people that had never been in leadership before, stepping into leadership at a church, people growing in their giftings. Because oftentimes God will redirect our plans when he has a different purpose for us. So we don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. All of us planned something different at the start of 2020 than what happened the rest of the year. None of us planned for a global pandemic. So many things in the last two years have happened that I'm sure you didn't plan. And even when that happens, when we say, God, this isn't what I planned, we can trust that God has a purpose. I'm so glad that every now and then God interrupts my plans to bring a different purpose. Because even though I may not understand it, even though I'm confused by it and I'm hurting in the middle of it, I can trust him. And years later, you can look back and say, God, Kristen and I, we didn't plan on starting a family when I was 30. We wanted to start our 
our family when I was 27, but three years of infertility, I see the purpose behind that pain that now we can relate to people who go through that same thing. And when our daughter, Rebecca, was born not breathing, and we were sure she was going to be special needs, and she spent 10 days in the NICU, that's not what we planned. And I never want to go through that again, but now I understand what it's like when someone has a child in the hospital. When good friends die, you say, I wouldn't have planned that, but I understand there's a purpose in the pain that God will use that. He will redirect that to help you show love and compassion. See, oftentimes I think we kind of mix up and, and, and think there's synonyms of like pity and sympathy and empathy and compassion, and they're very different. You know, pity is when you see someone who's hurting and you're just like, ah, oh, I'm sorry, that stinks. Empathy is when you've gone through something very similar and you can, you can be there in there with them and you're like, hey, I, I've gone through this. I know how hard this is. Sympathy is like, I haven't really gone through this, but I'm, I'm moving towards you and, and I'm, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and I see what you're going through. But compassion... Compassion isn't compassion until you move to action. See, compassion isn't sharing a hashtag. Compassion is financially giving towards a cause that you believe in. Compassion is showing up physically to be with that person who's hurting. That's what compassion is. And see, Jesus saw us in our mess and pain. He didn't just have sympathy or pity or empathy. He had compassion, and he stepped into our stories to save us from our sins. See, a lot of times I think we talk about, can we understand God? But I think the beauty of Christmas God stepped into our mess so he can understand us. See, Jesus gets it. He lived life like us. So you don't have to understand the plan to know that God has a purpose. I'll go back here. Think about this. So Mary's pregnant with the Son of God. If I'm Joseph, I'm thinking, well, we're doing this for God, so at least, at least, right, we're doing something for God. It's going to be smooth sailing from here. You know, uh, you know, heavenly epidural, no pain. Mary's just going to sneeze. The baby's going to pop out. Things are going to be easy, right? No. Where does she go into labor? On the back of a donkey on her way to Bethlehem. She's in labor and Joseph is so dead, right? He's pulling that donkey through red lights. They come up finally to uh, Bethlehem and guess what? She's like, honey, where'd you make the reservations for our hotel? And he's like, oh no, no reservations, right? Like Joseph is so dead. And so where does she give birth? In every woman's dream place, in a cave next to a bunch of smelly animals. No epidural, no soft music, no hospital staff, no meals brought to her, just a cave filled with stinky animals. As they get through this, Joseph is thinking, okay, finally, well, this is as bad as it's going to get, right? Happily ever after. Now the worst is over. We went through this whole thing. Mary gives birth in a barn in a stable. Some weird shepherds come in. The angels are singing. All right, that's done. Life is just going to be hunky-dory right from here on out. 
you know, then they grow up, and sorry for whole nativity stuff, but the wise men show up probably two years later, and uh, not right then that night. And so things are fine. The worst is behind us. And the wise men come, and they give their presents. And after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up! Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Herod, who's Herod? We talked about him last week. Herod's the king, evil king Herod. He drowned and killed his own wife, two of his sons, because he was so jealous. Now he wants to kill their baby boy. And so they're like, what? What? The king wants to end my little boy's life? What are you thinking about? Put yourself in their shoes. So what does Joseph do? That night, Joseph, brave, courageous Joseph, left for Egypt with a child and Mary his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. So they go on the run. They're hoofing it to Egypt. They're hiding out in houses. They're refugees running from death and persecution. And after a couple of years, they're able to go back home. And Joseph is thinking, okay, finally, the worst is behind us. Now it's just smooth sailing. And they settle down in Nazareth. And what we read when we read the Gospels, when you kind of read between the lines, is that really everyone is whispering about them. See, no one really believed their story that the Holy Spirit had come upon Mary. And, and so now they're like, wow, good job, Joseph. He married Mary. And we don't know who is the father of Jesus. And all sorts of stories as Jesus talks to Pharisees, and, and they tell him, well, at least we know who our dad is. In one of the translations, uh, they say, we're not bastards like you. We, we know who our dad is. And so Jesus' whole life gets this story behind him that no one believes who his dad really is. And Joseph is, is raising other kids, and they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Bible tells us. So Joseph got to navigate the sibling tension with someone who's actually God with siblings who don't believe him and they're, they're not sure they're a half-brother, you know, who his dad really is. But here's what Joseph learned is that following God's leading is going to mean that sometimes we just don't understand. See, Joseph is going through pain after pain and, and he's thinking, well, now the worst is behind me. And then something else happens. Well, now the worst is behind me and his plans keep getting interrupted. And if I'm Joseph, though, I like to think about the results. Okay, we're going through all this pain, but there's got to be a purpose in this, and I'm going to see the results of what is going on. So I think so often we ask God to do something, but then if it doesn't go the way we think it should, then what? We think, oh, maybe I heard God wrong. Maybe I wasn't supposed to do this. Maybe I wasn't supposed to do that thing. Because too often we judge our obedience on the results, Amen. See, Joseph had to let go of the results. See, what happened to Joseph? Here's what I wish I could tell you. That as Jesus grows up, Mary and Joseph are watching Jesus step into his calling and, and, and he's teaching and the siblings are like, you're a crazy man. And then at the cross, Joseph is there next to Mary and he's consoling her as they watch their little baby boy die on the cross. And she's thinking, wow, God, all this I went through it. And now this is what happens. And then three days later, though, as Jesus appears to the disciples 
and Mary and Joseph are excited to see that Jesus is alive. And then 50 days later, when the church is born and the Holy Spirit breathes on all of them and, and power and love and mercy and Mary and Joseph are there together to witness the church and, and Joseph is like, you know what? All that pain I went through, it was worth it. I wish I could tell you that's the story, but the actual Christmas story is that all historians pretty much agree that by the time Jesus stepped into manhood, Joseph was dead. Joseph wasn't there. To console Mary as she watched her little boy on the cross. Joseph wasn't there to celebrate the empty tomb and to see his adopted little boy rise to new life. Joseph wasn't there like Mary was with the disciples in the upper room to see the Holy Spirit fall. That's your Hallmark Christmas story. <laughs> if you're like me, you're thinking, can't this guy get a break, right? Joseph, good and honorable Joseph, he, he marries a single mom, raises her kid as his own, endures pain and humiliation. He gives up his name. He gives up his plans. He gives up so many things for Jesus. So what are the results? Joseph never got to see the results. So what can we possibly learn from Joseph's hard life? I think what God wants us to know is, trust me with the results. You may not see it. You may invest and give and serve and pour your life into something, into someone. And you may not get to see the results. Mary did. Mary was there at the cross. Mary was there to see her son rise to life. Mary was there when the church was born. Church tradition tells us she then went into John, the beloved's home, as they moved up to uh, a region in Turkey on the sea. And she got to live the rest of her life, most likely, on the beach with John. She has a great ending of her story, but Joseph's ending is a little different. But see, our life is not defined by the results. Our life is defined if we are obedient to God. God asks us to be obedient to him. The results are up to God. God asks us to be obedient to him. The results are up to God. See, I know Joseph didn't get to see the results, but I think about how much Joseph, I think how much influence he had on his adopted son, Jesus. Earlier this year, we walked through the Gospel of John, one of my favorite books of the Bible. And we talked about how in John chapter 2, first miracle of Jesus, Jesus is attending a wedding celebration, and this young couple, they run out of wine, which would have filled them with embarrassment and humiliation and shame. And Mary says, Jesus, can't you do something about this? Maybe, just maybe, Jesus is thinking of his dad, Joseph. And how they didn't get to have the big party, the big wedding. And how his dad didn't want to humiliate 
his mom. And so to spare this young couple from humiliation, he turns the water to wine. John chapter 4, Jesus is traveling from Jerusalem down. He, he must go through Samaria, and he meets this woman at the well. It's very scandalous, and this woman has been married six times before, and now she's living with someone she's not married to. And we don't know much about her story, but we know it's sketchy because she's out by herself in the middle of the day when people didn't normally go to the well to get water, and Jesus sits down and he talks to her. Maybe, just maybe, in that moment, he's thinking of his dad, Joseph. And he's like, you know what? My daddy, he showed such compassion and love for my mom that people whispered about. And he defended her, and he stood up for her. And he was willing to leave his hometown, his home country, be a refugee in Egypt to take care of her. And maybe he's thinking of Joseph, his dad, as he shows love and dignity and respect to the woman at the well. And then John chapter 8. It's a woman caught in sin. She's probably a prostitute of some kind. And the Pharisees set a trap, and they, they have someone sleep with her, and then they catch her in the act, and they bring her before Jesus, barely clothed. And perhaps in that moment, he's thinking of his adopted daddy, Joseph. And how much compassion he had for his mom, who wasn't a sinner like that, but people whispered about. I think if it's possible, I think Joseph was a good influence on the Son of God. I think his fingerprints are all over the life of Jesus. See, too often I think we just focus on the divinity of Jesus with, and ignore his humanity. But he, Jesus is fully God and fully man. He learned from his parents. I think Mary and Joseph, their influence is all over Jesus. Maybe in the Garden of Gethsemane, before Jesus goes to the cross, he's thinking of his earthly adopted father, Joseph, who was the bravest man he ever knew. And as he prayed to his heavenly father, perhaps that helped give him the courage to go to the cross. You remember the words that the angel addressed Joseph back in Matthew chapter 1? Joseph, son of David. See, Joseph is just an ordinary man in an ordinary town, but he has an extraordinary heritage. He is the heart of a king beating in his chest. He's from the lineage of David, the giant slayer. And you have a dynasty inside of you too. You may feel like an ordinary man or woman from an ordinary town, but when you are united with Christ through belief and through your baptism, you have the blood of a king beating in your veins too. See, Joseph had to let go of the results. What are the results? They're in the hands of God. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what God called you to do. Keep loving your spouse Keep serving your kids. Keep teaching them. Keep showing respect and honor to people. Keep showing hope. Keep showing up and being a force of good and light and compassion, even when you don't see the results. Keep working hard, even when you don't see the results. See, you and I are called to be obedient and to trust the results to God. 
We don't know what influence we're having right now. Down the road, that's going to happen. See, Joseph had no idea how it all was going to turn out. But he still was obedient to what God called him to be. God asked us to be obedient to him. Let's trust the results up to God. I'm going to invite the band to come on up. They're going to lead us in one more Christmas song. This week I was thinking, John 15, Jesus invites us to be connected to him, the vine. And right now, as we're still in this season of such unknown, and I don't know about you, but just times of just being tired and not feeling as productive as I wish I could be. But here's the thing. If you and I are connected to the vine, to Jesus, we're just as connected in those seasons when we're not bearing fruit and we're not as productive as we want to be as in those seasons of harvest. All things that bear fruit have different seasons. So right now, if you are in a season where you just are tired and all you can do is just abide in the vine and be connected to Jesus, just rest in that. Just be obedient. Just love. Be with Jesus. And trust the fruit, trust the results to him. We're going to close by singing this old Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing by Mendelssohn. It's a couple hundred years old. Followers of Jesus have been singing this hymn for, as Matt said, decades and decades, hundreds of years, in fact. One thing about Christmas carols, though, is I think sometimes we can just sing the words without letting them have an impact on us. And I just want to read some of the words as we close today. Mild he lays his glory by. Jesus came. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons and daughters of earth. Born to give them second birth. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. God in the flesh. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Jesus is God, Emmanuel, God with us. Born to give us second birth. We can have new life through Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace, the Son of Righteousness. And he comes to bring light and life with healing in his wings. There's a beautiful, we talk about this, but Old Testament prophecy that there would be healing in the wings of the Messiah. Wings could also be translated as the kanafs, which was the edge of a Hebrew, uh, of a rabbi's robe. And that's why in this story, a beautiful story that Luke tells of the woman who has been bleeding for 15 years, she reaches out and she touches Jesus because she believed there was healing on the edge of his cloak, his wings, his kanaf. And Jesus comes this morning with healing in his wings like that Old Testament prophecy says. He comes to bring light and life. So today, if you are in need of some light because all your plans have gone not the way you thought they would go, 
If you are in need of some life because you're just feeling drained and heavy and just like a cloud over you, he comes to bring life. A couple weeks back, someone in our community group was just sharing. They felt like there's a black hole inside their soul and black hole science tells you can't actually see them, but you, you know they're there by how everything else reacts around it. And sometimes you go through the season, we don't realize there's this kind of dark thing in us that's just kind of dragging everything down. And then when we look at everything around it and realize, hey, I've been self-isolating. I've been angry. I, I, I struggle to wake up. There's something there I, I'm not aware of. And what I actually need is light and life to come in to expose that. And then he's risen with healing in his wings and Jesus comes to bring healing. So today, as we stand and sing this last song, don't let it just be a Christmas carol that you hear in the radio or something you sang as a little kid. Believe these words. Believe that he brings light and life and healing. That he wants to dwell with us as Emmanuel, God with us. Would you stand with me and we'll close in prayer. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for coming here on earth as God with us. And I also thank you for the examples of Mary and Joseph and and just the realness of their story. God, I pray that when our plans get interrupted, that we would trust that you have a purpose. And that we would leave the results up to you and instead choose to just be obedient to what you're calling us to do. I pray right now, God, that everyone in this room, whatever they need, right now your spirit would come and bring light and life and healing. That you, the Prince of Peace, would bring such a peace upon our hearts, minds, and souls that as we go throughout our week, we'd be carriers of that peace and we would infect others with peace. We would infect others with hope and joy and love. That we would know that because we are united with you, we have your blood in our veins and so we can walk with courage and hope Thank you, Jesus, for stepping into our mess to have compassion so that you understand us. You know what it's like to be misunderstood and to be a refugee and to to have people whisper about you. You get our pain. We thank you for that. So now we just ask that we would trust you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing this last song together. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. 
you can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.